welcome to season three of Community, a podcast by CivSource Africa. This season, we relight the campfire and continue to delve into the endless stream of African generosity. Join us on this leg of the journey into unpacking and celebrating giving and Ubuntu in Uganda and across this vast continent. We would love to hear from you. You can catch us every Thursday on Anchor or on the CivSource website. Welcome to today's conversation. In conversation with us today is Ruth Bahika, full name India Bahika. And she's going to tell us a bit about herself. But before she does, we grew up together like long. We shall not tell people. <laughs> Let that remain a secret between us. But yes, we did grow up. Um, our parents both serving in Church of Uganda. And so part of our roots are just seeing each other grow up as PKs, mm. pastors' children, mm-hmm. pastors' kids. So I'm honored, we are honored as sisters to have you join us for this conversation. Can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself, Ruth? Yeah, thank you, Jackie. I'm honored too. Really happy to be sitting in your lovely, warm, inviting space and to be talking to your listeners. Um, yes, I'm Ruth Kendeje, that's my middle name, Ndiyabahika. And Kendeje has an interesting origin, so if you it don't does. mind, really quickly. It does. Um, Kendeje, in our language, Kendeje is an airplane. Um, so I'm K-airplane, K- of an airplane, basically. So my mom was expecting me when she received a scholarship um, to do her undergrad in Trinity in Chicago. My, both my parents got scholarships. Um, the reason they got the scholarships was the then bishop, Festus Chivendere, was trying to get reverence out of Uganda because of, um, you know, what happened with Idi Amin, how he, he targeted people of the cloth. So one of those um, reverends, he, he got a scholarship for was my mom. So she had to travel. She didn't want to. She was very expectant. Imagine being told you're going to live in this strange land away from your family when you're having a baby. Um, but she was actually forced onto the plane, <laughs> and I wasn't born on the plane, but my grandmother named me Ka Airplane because my mom was very expectant with me wow. on an airplane. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. That's great. And um, sorry, I, I jumped into your naming. You were still telling us your yeah. name and a bit more about yourself. Yeah, my last name is India Bahika. That's my family name. And I shortened it to Bahika at one point, but now I'm embracing the full India Bahika. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a child psychologist, um, that's what I studied. Yeah, so right now I'm a psychologist who lives in Karale um, at a place called Grace Villa, which is a sanctuary for girls who are at risk. Um, girls who are orphaned and have no place to call home, girls who are rescued from unsafe situations. Uh, most of them are brought to us by probation and police officers. And um, yeah, so that's their home. Okay. And for our listeners who may not be familiar with Uganda, Kabale is in southwestern Uganda. I believe it was once named the Switzerland of Africa, not just Uganda, of Africa. It's a beautiful, I kid you not, a very beautiful place. So, Ruth. Silsworth is passionate about telling stories of African generosity, Ubuntu, solidarity, especially to point to the fact that it's, it's really in our roots, it's who we are. Mm. 
So I'd like you to take us way back in time to your first memory of either experiencing generosity or seeing generosity in action. Um, you mentioned that we are PKs, pastors' kids. And one thing about being a PK in Africa is your home is not your home. It's not just your home. It belongs to the community. So I grew up knowing that um, if we had food, if we had one piece of chicken, it went to the guest, <laughs> and you guys will just have soup. <laughs> and you had to be okay. And you were okay with it. You grew up too. And that's how we are now, even me. And it's something that was passed along. We grew up knowing that you had to be kind to everybody. Um, first of all, they all knew you because you were the reverend's kid. So you had to be you know, generous and kind to everybody. And yeah, so I guess just living in a home that was open to whoever was hungry, whoever needed a, a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on. And I think that's generosity, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I grew up in, surrounded by, by that. So my experience is literally the same mm. um, as yours. Our home was open to anyone, both friend and stranger, mm. like you said. I think there were homes in, in the villages, a teacher's home, a pastor's home, homes that were expected to, to receive anyone. And so at all times of the night, mm. you receive a distressed person or a right. person who along their journey has just made a stop mm. and needs a place for that night. And so you have no phone calls. And so your bed is for everybody. Your food is for everybody. Your living room is... And your parents are for everybody also. So so we learned to share very early on in life. And so fast forward to where you are, Ruth. Tell us about Grace Villa. I know you mentioned it a bit in your introduction. But for those who don't know the story of Grace Villa and how you're connected with it, just tell us a bit about it. All right, yeah. So I'm always happy to talk about <laughs> about Grace Villa. Um, so like I mentioned, it's a sanctuary for girls who need a safe place to be. Um, it's now seven years old. Can you believe it? I've been here for seven years. And I'm proud and happy that we passed. Apparently, there's a five-year mark mm-hmm. <laughs> for things like this. Infant mortality yes, rate, yes. yes. So, it's a thing. So, and it actually is with God that we passed that yes. two years ago and we're flourishing. So it started as a fa- our family's response to what's happening in, all over the world with, with children who have who need a safe place to be. Um, I said all over the world because we know that it's not just in, in, in Kabale. I don't want to, yeah. to create a bubble and say it's just in Africa or in, in Kabale. But um, yeah, so I'm a child psychologist, so I care a lot about children. That's why I went into that profession. I don't know if the listeners know or have ever heard about Joseph Kony. Um, this was this man in northern Uganda who carried out atrocities against children, against everybody, trying to annihilate an entire tribe. And his weapon that he used was children. Um, he would abduct boys and girls. The boys would become child soldiers and the girls would become child brides and maids and help around in their whatever horrible place that they were living. So um, it came to my attention somehow when I was, I lived in Boston for a while. It's a, a bit of a story, but let me get into it just so yes, you know the background. Sure. Mm-hmm. So we, I lived with my brother and we had friends who were Christians. Um, and we used to try to have fun by every, every weekend. So Friday was movie night and we'd go to somebody's house, take a pizza, take, you know, a potluck and take a movie and watch a movie in different people's homes. So we were hosting 
and they brought a movie and I think they looked for the only Ugandan thing that was out there and it was this DVD called Invisible Children. So it was a movie, a documentary created by some journalists who were depicting the atrocities of this Joseph Kony. And it was a, a tough documentary to watch because it, it shows you, and you know a visual really explains things better than even reading sometimes. It showed what I had been hearing about or reading about in newspapers, but not really, I don't know why, it's something that never moved me as much as it did till I watched the documentary, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. seeing these kids who were trying to avoid abduction so they would um, carry whatever they could sleep on and migrate from their homes to live in safe spaces, like in hospital compounds and all gather there basically like a migration every evening so that they would sleep there yeah. and not get abducted they even got a name the night commuters the night commuters because they would commute every evening so and then we got to hear the stories of kids who had escaped or what they had been through kids mm -hmm. who had had to kill their own parents to be left to go alive kids who were it was hard to watch and i think what struck me was first the visual but second the people who were introducing this to me it was americans and they were all white americans and i they were almost teaching me you know like i was learning about this from people who were not from uganda and i felt ashamed i felt sad that this was happening in my home and i didn't care like i should care i should have cared so what so the next day my brother and i you know, DVDs have that phone number at the back. Well, do you know DVDs? Yes, I, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. It's the generation we grew up in, right? Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. at the back is an email. There's a phone number and an email, like a contact. So we contacted them and said, we want to somehow get involved. Can we? And they were thrilled because it turns out they didn't have Ugandans. So they asked us to become advocates for their, their what they were trying to do was shed light, like just tell the story so that people care. Yeah. And... I understood this when the first time I went, because they sent me to go meet our senator. <laughs> you know, it was my first foray into advocacy. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know how to speak. I didn't even know what I was going to say. I remember I wore a white shirt and tried to look professional. And it, what he said was, but if this has been going on for as long as you say it has, how come we had never heard about it? Mm -hmm. And if it's at this magnitude, so he says, then you have work to do. So you guys need to this, you know, push this so that it becomes what on, it's on the on the lips of everybody. So that was became what I did. My brother and I just would go to every university we could. Every so it became my my life. Yeah, you know, and I know it was a sad thing that was happening, but I I enjoyed it. Something that I I took joy out of not joy, but I fulfill. I found fulfillment in it, and I I got over fears. And I, because I hated public, I'm actually nervous in front of people. But if I didn't do it, who would? So I started. So um, my holidays to Uganda ceased to be just to look to visit family. I started um, coming and spending time in northern Uganda, working with, with people who were working with kids who were brought back, kids who were rescued from, from who had escaped from the war. So it was the rehabilitation process that I got involved in. And I enjoyed it. It was very tough, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, when I use the word enjoy, it sounds like the wrong word. But again, I found fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy like like it's the, the right thing at the right time. Yeah. Teaches you and you're able to give back. Yeah. That's how I understand when you say enjoyment. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so at the end of the holidays, I would go back to work. Mm -hmm. Back to Boston. I'm working with kids there. And I found I was different. I was changing as a person. 
and I wasn't empathizing the way I should with the situations that I was now dealing with in the U.S. And yet the kids were going through their own. There, these were things that someone, you know, it was important to them, very important to them, to their families. And but when that happens, you realize that something needs to shift because mm-hmm. I'm not doing justice to the kids I was supposed to be helping in 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 the U.S. with in my farm. So I reevaluated my life and made a decision to do what, what to do work where I would feel fulfilled or where I would because if you're not feeling fulfilled you're not giving your all mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. so work and I realized that my calling was just to go home but also now I needed to figure out how I was going to transfer what I was doing to home and make yeah. it impactful mm-hmm. you know so I started reading up on everything I could find um, I remember I went home, came home for three months and volunteered in different orphanages in Port Porto and like all over the, the country just to get a feel for what other people are doing and kind of create my own vision, my, my own ethos and my own, you know, what was I was going to do. And I didn't want to be that Mozungu from Uganda who just comes home and says, I'm coming to rescue because yeah. people don't need that. You know, where would I make the most impact? And that's how I came up with um, the vision of Graceville Land, a mission, which is to, you know, basically help children who, orphans, abandoned, vulnerable, girls who have been forced into early child marriages, girls who have been forced in, you know, you know, all those situations, Mm -hmm. treat kids and create for them a home, a sanctuary that will provide for their mental education, health, um, all those things that every child deserves all the ch- you know which we now call child child rights yeah so yeah and that's how Graceville was born wow, wow. Yeah. And I know watching from afar and interacting with Grace Villa you know a few times that part of the story of Grace Villa is generosity. Mm-hmm. People have given. (laughs) People have given um, of their time, talent, treasure, Mm -hmm. anything they can. So Mm -hmm. tell us a bit about that. Grace Villa's interaction with generosity. I think that's the best two parts of this journey. One is the kids. Mm -hmm. The kids just inspire me. But my other huge inspiration, which I love and I didn't expect, is how amazing Ugandans are. Right from the beginning, I think we actually would not exist if it weren't for these uh, people that surround us in Kavale, in Kampala, abroad, um, the way Ugandans have really embraced um, this journey. Um, I'll start with at home. Um, and by home, you mean Kavale, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which is where I live now mm-hmm. with the kids. Um, yeah, even just finding the house that we lived in for the first seven years of our existence was people who I didn't even know saying, oh, there's this house, and then them talking to the landlord who ended up cutting the, the, the rent in half so that we could afford it. He didn't even know me, but we told him about what we were going to do, and he decided to do it. And people say Ugandans don't do things like that, but yeah, yeah but he did. That was the first, you know, right at the beginning. And then people even helping me with all the intricacies. Um, it was great to discover that there's a, you can't just say I'm opening a home, you know. I, I liked, we have really good policies and things, steps that you have to follow before you do this. And I was very happy to discover it. But yeah, it, I needed a lot of help and people in Kavale just helped. 
people would pick me up, drop me off, go to talk to people and help me just get situated. And then at the home itself, um, right from the beginning, even the people who, have, who see that we take their children of the community in, they help in every way that they can. Yeah. I'll give an example of this lady who shows up every once in a while, right from the second week there, with sweet potatoes or Irish potatoes or whatever her harvest is for the season. And she's barefoot. She's, you know, you can tell she's never worn shoes in her life. She has her hole, she, you know, looks dusty and everything, but she's giving us a portion of her garden. Yeah. We don't have her kids, we don't have her relatives. But she comes and says, thank you for helping our children. You know, and she yes. gives us like a portion. Of her harvest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's... And then there's this grandmother who, with her, we do have one of her kids. She always brings eggs, like, in her basket. Like, every time they get, like, the chicken lays, she brings, like, four eggs. And it, for me, it moves even to... T- I mean, those are the things that move me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Of course, we, we are grateful for huge donations, too. Um, don't get me wrong, but I love how the community has embraced us. There's this young lady who's, I think, our age, like, very young... <laughs> She has a, a, a regular job. She works in a library, so we know she's not getting a big salary. But right, I think it started in the second year. She gives us, she would give us two liters of milk every day, and now it's six liters, and she's never not given us. Because this wow. has gone on for, since the second year of our existence. This is year seven. So we always know we have, even if we are broke or whatever. You at least we have, milk. We have milk. We have milk coming in. Um, and the kids call her Auntie Joanita, you know, like now she's part of the family. Um, and if the kids don't pick it up, she'll come up the hill very angry and say, what happened? You know, <laughs> you know, nobody got the milk and she'll come up to the house. Um, yeah, and then there, um, you talked about people volunteering. I'm, I'm Ugandan and we know that most people who, when people say volunteers, what comes to mind? When, if I say volunteers, even to you, Jackie, what do you think? People usually associate volunteers with being people coming from abroad. Yes. Bazoo. For a summer. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> to volunteer. To volunteer. Yes. yes. To give up their time. Our first volunteer was a Ugandan. She's not someone I, I really knew. She knew my sister and she was going through a tough time because her sister had passed away. And she wanted to get away, but wanted to get away with a purpose. And she had been reading about Grace Villa my sister through you know my family they're my biggest champions my mom dad brother late dad brother and sister um so she asked she called me and said is it okay because i'm i bake and i'm really good at it and i'd like to come and teach the kids introduction to baking and say is it okay if i come for two weeks excited i said yeah and she came and just so you know that those two weeks have turned into us now having a bakery today wow one of them big income generators yes and i have tasted those cookies <laughs> oh my goodness heavenly yeah. heavenly yeah. yeah yes see and she's unbiased um yeah so she so this lady her name is priscilla and she owns something called priscilla's oven so she, those two so now she comes every year and spends if it's a short time it's a week picking building up on like building blocks and what's come out of that is one of our kids is really really good and she asked if she could please not 
go not finish not continue with aid she wanted to she wants to stop at senior four and then go to a vocational school and instead learn catering and baking wow. and all that and we said yeah, i was actually happy because i'm glad that she's found her passion and she's she two months ago she baked her first wedding cake wow so wow yeah. so this from that one act of someone saying i want to give up my time yes yeah. and since then birthed a dream exactly that will birth other dreams yes and um if i like what i like is that so um i like that the kids get excited when they see ugandans walking through our gate Mm -hmm. i'm trying to say it without it sounding like i'm I'm segregating no but i I understand what you mean yeah and this is because they've seen how ugandans have impacted their lives these kids who are who live with me so we have over 200 children in the program in grace villa but in our house, what, the kids the sanctuary. who are there, yes, yeah. it's kids who we completely failed to find family or safe people who can take them in. Mm-hmm. Or kids who, imagine a child comes and she's being abused and she's everybody in the family knows, but people are not, they're blaming her. And it's, it's going on and on and on. And so she's in our house, you're not going to send her back to the yeah. house. Mm-hmm. So those are the kids who live with us. And many of them, don't know relatives because we've failed to find relatives to become part of their lives. So they've grown up with these. They actually, some of them think Auntie Priscilla is a real auntie. Yes, you know yes, what I'm saying? yes, yes. If anything happens, like these kids have grown. Some are called for things like sports um, day or something. You know, like a, a a workshop or something. They have aunties and uncles who they can live with in Kampala, who mm-hmm. they grew up. They know who they think. They think these are their relatives, you know, which, and they, they actually are. <laughs> They've become, yes, in you know, sense, adopted yeah. relatives. Mm-hmm. And it's just birthed this wonderful thing, like this huge, this beautiful network. And we call it the Grace Villa family. And we have, like, we have a WhatsApp group. And whenever there's anything happening, it's plugged in, you know. Oh, so-and-so has an interview here. Oh, I'll pick up from the bus. Oh, does she need this? Does she, you know, so even when I'm not there, I we see... Things move along yeah. because of these people who have, they've taken volunteering to another level and they just embraced these kids and embraced everything about them. Um, yeah, some are now godparents because some kids were never baptized mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. they said, Can I please ask Uncle Lam or Auntie Grace to be my godmother? And then, so on their birthdays, they know that their godmothers are going to. <laughs> and say happy yes, birthday yes, or success yes, cards yes. And yeah, yeah. yeah so it's just it's something that I didn't expect but mm-hmm. I think it's just a beautiful thing that has grown yeah yeah, yeah. that's powerful yeah. when you think about how Grace Villa has been built on the backs of, of generosity mm-hmm. when you stand back and look forward mm-hmm. what would be your thoughts about deepening and strengthening that kind of generosity because mm-hmm. that's what we are also pondering over as civ source so what would you what do you think how to deepen generosity mm-hmm. and I strengthen think, it yeah, yeah. um in uganda yeah i think telling I, I love what you're doing telling the stories because i think many people not everyone but most people are innately generous it's in them but they don't know how to express it or they think it's financial. Mm-hmm. It, it has to be a big amount of money for it to matter. Not realizing that, um, remember I talk about the two liters of milk, yes. how much is milk? <laughs> yeah. And um, 
or even just a phone call or um, Jackie remember when you came to visit and people talked and the girls like even just a story that relates to someone taking the time to come and share a story that can build or show a kid that oh so this person was like me and now look where she is today or a kid who has never been shown attention mm-hmm. then a lawyer okay, I'm using that example because you actually came home someone who's a lawyer who's doing well drives to come through the gate and spend a day with you just to spend time with you it speaks volumes you know it, it's, it's as important as receiving something fun, or even sometimes even more important so I think sharing stories sharing experiences sharing how it's, it's affected you sharing how people can be generous in different different ways I think that it will, it would build a spirit of like make it become part of the mm-hmm. culture I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. um, yeah I think when, one other thing we, you talked about before we started the podcast was around ownership mm-hmm. and how you enable those that give you mm-hmm. feel like they're you know, mm-hmm. it's yes, us. Yeah, you know, Grace yeah. Villa is us. It's mm-hmm. not. It's no longer Ruth it's or her me. kids. It is. Yeah. I'm Grace Villa too. Yeah. yeah. So, how how did you hack that? <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Well, yeah. Or how do? What how is the process towards it, that? Um, you know, there's no blueprint to, mm-hmm. to what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's 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 a series of events that just grow. For, it's a ripple effect. Something a need creates. You know. So I think also the fact that people cared, people care enough to give advice, care enough to call and check in, care enough to say, how can I help? And then me allowing it to, people to help. Because, well, you know, allowing is not, <laughs> it's sometimes not easy. And then you realize that people actually do deeply, mm-hmm. deeply feel, you know, for, for, for these kids. Yeah, it just, it was natural. It was not me systematically going about doing it. it it happened naturally and out of the goodness of people and yeah and realizing that if you that people actually want so so many people come to me and say this is something that I wanted to do I've always wanted to do and I'm glad you're doing it Ruth and I'm glad you're giving me a chance to be a part of this because it's something that I always wanted yeah. to do yeah and then others say oh how can I also do something you know like this can you know and which makes me happy because the need is great. You know, mm-hmm. some people, some people, and they say it's Uganda. I don't know if it's just us who feel like, oh, why is someone trying to copy me? <laughs> you know. But this is one situation where if somebody else did it, it would. Be, I would. I actually it would. And we do. We do need more grace fillers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah. Sadly, but yeah, but it's the truth. And then in, I love that in Kavale we have a consortium of people. We 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 have a, we're together. Like we meet, we gather everybody who's doing anything similar, like different homes, different um, projects. We have our own gathering where we meet and discuss how the issues we have and and yeah. And then I think social media has also opened us up to people. So we're very active on Facebook and on. We try to be active on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not good at Twitter yet, and by Instagram and all that. So people are watching the kids mm-hmm. grow up, and I'm very careful because these are my children. Well, they are our children. They're they're kids who, like now, our older ones. We don't allow social media with the kids, but then we say once you get to university, you get your first phone, and then you you're allowed to get into social media. So these kids, you know, you have to 
care about you know their friends are going to be on social media their friends are going to see them on facebook so we're very conscious about how we post about our kids your our ultimate goal is our kids we're not yes. doing this for us yes yes, yes. So if what you're doing is going to hurt them in the future, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. So, but then yes, but we are on social media. People know our home. You know, we we welcome people to come in and visit us, as long as you know, as a, a grown up is there, with two, one of us is yeah, there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people have watched the kids grow, mm-hmm. and people see us now. We are out there on stage because uh, we perform. You know, the kids debate. They do sports. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Let me not forget the the many trophies that we have yes, at home. Yes, <laughs> yes, sports. yes, yeah. So yeah, so our kids are in people's hearts and mm-hmm, people's homes, mm-hmm. and and yeah, and and yeah. And, I, and, I, and the kids like it. You know, I talk to them about it a lot. Yeah. I'm very open to them. You know, they and they they like that people care. Yeah. 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 Then another way of uh, we're talking about the carrying on of of of, of this of goodness. One of our kids is now in university. She got a job over the holidays, and so she's now working. Even when she's in school, she's working, and she's paying the fees for one of her nephews. Like she took on a kid who had dropped out of school, and she said it's because of what she's seen mm-hmm. through Grace Villa. So even the visual, like watching and seeing how it's impactful, how you can give what you have to make a difference. So as we wind down this conversation, mm-hmm. I was going to go to that. Mm-hmm. How do we seed the next generation of, mm-hmm. of givers? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is, is literally people, children now, seeing it in action mm-hmm. so that they can replicate their own forms of giving. Um, if you were to talk to one of your children right now um, that's at the Grace Villa, what would you tell her mm-hmm. about generosity? Mm-hmm. Well, we talk about it all the time. We we raising the kids to be servants. Um, we clean in house. We go to put them out in the community and do things. And servants, not in the demeaning. No, their no, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. give us yes. in that sense. Yes. yes, we 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 do things like we go to lady like if there's an old lady, the kids come and say, oh, so and so. She, she's been sick, you know, can we go and... She, they now actually come to me with different names. Can we go and clean her house? Can we go and help in her garden? Um, the, there's a house that fell in the rain and we went and helped put it back up, a mud house. So we went and were part of the crew in the community that helped put the house back up. And then giving. When people bring us food, we give. We don't keep everything. Mm-hmm. If it's a lot, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if it's little, hey, <laughs> you know, we keep staying, it. Yeah. Because we, you know, food is a struggle for us. But we teach the kids that even if you're struggling, there's someone struggling even more. Mm-hmm. There's always a story of someone who needs even more. Mm-hmm. So I love that the kids come home looking for ways to help people who they see who are struggling more than them um, or who are struggling just like them. Um, we have the Wateka food program where we feed a free lunch. It's now a bit stagnant because of COVID. Schools are closed because it was a free school lunch. But we now give the families of the kids who are in Wateka because imagine they might need us more now mm-hmm. more than ever. Mm-hmm. But many of the kids who are in the program were brought by our kids who say so and so um at the end of lunch at school she volunteers to clean the plates because but we know that she's cleaning because she wants the scraps so that she, she eats lunch. So can she please be in Wateka? You know. So I think so we're teaching the kids to mm-hmm. have servant hearts. Mm-hmm. And to, to not hoard 
I'm trying to teach them by example more than talking mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that they grow up just with it kind of innate like in them. Not me saying, you, you know, <laughs> you know, give, give, give. And um, yeah, I think. Great. Yeah. Teaching by doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I know we could go on and on and we need to stop it here. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Ruth, and for all that you're doing with and for the kids in Kavale. The example that the Grace Villa is being to its community. Mm -hmm. And we also thank the very many people that have been mm -hmm. generous towards Grace Villa, not just Grace to, to, your, to the vision, to the children that are being raised by Grace Villa. Mm -hmm. We thank them too. And we thank our listeners who listen to us every Thursday. And we'll see you again, same time, same place, next Thursday. Bye-bye.